What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined by Nicole Yang, Chris Granham. You guys ready to do some yam talk? It's all the rage right now. So, yes, I am very ready to do some yam talk. It's very funny how interested people are in this guy. I feel like part of the reason is because, like, the Celtics don't have a pick this year. Everybody always wants to talk about the young guy. Everybody wants to get excited about your Aaron Neesmiths, your Peyton Pritchards. And you can't do that this year because there's only going to be the 45th pick, which is going to be Herb Jones from Alabama, I hope. So I think Yam is an interesting guy, and he's got a lot of tools, a lot of, a lot of really interesting parts to his game. Grenham, uh, you wrote a story, you talked to his trainer, you uh, put that up on Forbes.com. Just what were some of your biggest takeaways from that conversation and just kind of what you learned about Yam from it? Yeah, well, I think one, the fascination that we're seeing with Yam right now among Celtics fans, I think that's kind of common with a lot of draft and stash guys and international prospects. All you do is watch them on YouTube. All you do is watch their highlights on Twitter or something like that. So you don't know a lot about them compared to a guy you're watching from Duke or even like Georgia Tech or something. It's just a different scenario, which I think kind of grabs the attention of fans, regardless of the situation. I was really impressed going through with his trainer, Yoga Berdugo, who's been working with him for a while. He runs Step It Up basketball camp, and he's been working with Yom since he was like 12. And he put together some pretty cool spreadsheets on his improvements over the last two or three years. And they've been pretty significant. Like, of course, Yogev is biased. He's his personal trainer. Like, that's always the case with personal trainers. They're going to promote their guys. That's what they should do. But his developments, obviously, his three-point shooting sticks out more than anything. I think that is really, really impressive. And it's been pretty rapid. He's worked really, really hard at that. But I think he's also just become far more consistent. Like, if you look at his game logs, he was up and down quite a bit, as most young players are. In the last year, year plus, playing in the Israeli Premier League, which is no joke of a league. It's a pretty solid league. He's been really consistent. And I think he He's gotten used to being a professional, which I think has helped him quite a bit. So his rapid development of late is certainly a positive. Talking to some people with the Celtics, they really liked his overall game when they drafted him, but they weren't thrilled with the shooting numbers, obviously. They said, you know, you're not going to be able to stay on the court if you can't shoot. And they targeted a percentage from what I was told. They targeted a percentage of around 37% for him to bump that up to. Well, he, he surpassed that quite well. So I think he's moving in the right direction and the direction that the front office wants him to be moving in, which is why they're having him come over for summer league. So yeah, 40.9% from three-point range last year, um, 132 attempts in 30 games. Like, that's no joke. That's a sample size. It seems like the improvements are real. The shot looks good. I, I'm really interested to see him. You can dribble, pass, shoot, right? Like, that's like, it's a good starting point. If you can if you can dribble, you can pass, you can shoot, and you can play a defense. And like, that's a nice Those are thing important things to do in the game of most, basketball. Most basketball players who can do that are okay, yeah. <laughs> He's also really good in the pick and roll. Like, he improved that quite a bit in the last year. He would rush a lot. Like, he wasn't very patient when it came to his pick and roll game. But that over the last year has been ironed out quite a bit, which is another major positive. Because if you're going to be a floor general in the NBA, got to be pretty good in the pick and roll. Otherwise, that's going to be a major problem. I mean, obviously, it's hard to say without seeing him. I feel like Summer League will really inform your opinions on this. But do you think there's a high likelihood that he will end up on the Celtics? Like even without seeing him, I feel like the chances are pretty low just given the roster situation. But like theoretically, there is an opening at point guard. So so if he does look to be ready, maybe it is the time. I don't know. What are your thoughts? When I was writing this story, as I think maybe you guys might understand, sometimes you get a little too high on the subject of your story. You're like, wow, this guy's, he could be an all-star next year. Like, this is, the Amadar is going to be all, all rookie team. 
But I think it makes a lot of sense for them to target Yam with one of those two-way slots. Because if you bring him over, say you buy him out with his current contract, we talk about his contract situation in a second, but if you do bring him over and you give him a guaranteed slot, he's not really going to play a lot. If you give him a two-way slot and he does play for the main Celtics and get some decent time and development there, I do think that makes a lot of sense. But do they want to pay 700 grand to buy him out and then bring him over on a two-way deal? Or would they rather have him just play an additional year in Israel? So I think there's a lot of stuff in play for the Celtics to make that move. But I think he'd be an intriguing two-way guy. I would be curious to see whether a two-way would be enough to convince him to come over just because he can probably make more money and play in a professional league. And maybe that's even better experience for him is to continue to play in a professional league overseas as opposed to being in the G League and bouncing around. Well, G League, also a professional league for the record. But yeah, like I'm torn on that one just because like playing in the G League would give him like a chance. Like the Celtics could run their offense. That would be good experience for him. Like the money thing obviously matters quite a bit. And I think that's a big part of it. And yeah, Grenham, to your point, like he lost his arbitration, right? Like, so right. the, so they, so were, they were trying to get him out of the contract and his team, Tel Aviv, is that yep. right? Papa um, Tel Aviv. Yeah. So he's, yeah, yeah. he's, he is still under contract with them, which was not what he was looking for. And it, I think there is no set fee. So I think normally it's around like 700 grand from what I gathered. And I know a lot of people have been asking, but his current contract situation is not going to impact his summer league status. So he is still going to play summer league. That's not going to impact that. They're going to let him play. But in terms of the next year or so, they still have him under contract. Because he's under contract for only one more season, I could see them just waiting it out. The Celtics already have 13 of their spots filled. Unless he really shows out and puts forth like a convincing effort that it's worth doing it a year early. I feel like just waiting until the next year makes the most sense, but we'll see. I think that's where I come down to on the two-way slot thing is like, if he plays well enough, then I think it's like, okay, like, cool. Like this guy could be a contributor this season. Like the Celtics are trying to win right now. Like, yeah, bring him over, get him some minutes. You know, maybe uh, Peyton Pritchard like twists his ankle and can't play for a couple of games and Yam gets some some real run and like that's valuable. But um, with the two-way slot, I mean, I guess you can kind of do a similar thing. Peyton Pritchard twists his ankle and just call Yam in from Maine. But at the same time, that isn't like a super appealing option for him. So I kind of come down on the same side. I mean, like, we'll see. We'll see like what his preference would be. If he really shows out in summer league and he really looks like he could contribute right away, that would be pretty interesting to me. But I, I do wonder if they would just kind of... Yeah, like he's coming over next year anyway. Like it'll be fine. We'll get him then. Yeah, I would be very curious to see or to find out the urgency from him and his agents to come over because it seems a lot of times when you're looking with international prospects, they're not in any rush and they're fine sticking over. And there's always the concern of, well, are they going to stay over there? Do they even want to come over? Maybe they're very comfortable and they know they're making good money or whatever. It seems like Yamadar is very set on getting over here as fast as possible. Does that involve the main Celtics? Probably not. But again, who who knows? If he's if he sees that as a quicker path for development and a quicker path to Boston, then maybe he would be willing to. But again, also on the Celtics side, are they willing to buy him out for a two-way slot or do they just let it run out for another year and then they grab him next summer? And I'm sure like there are other factors at play. Like, okay, does anybody else from the summer league roster stick out? And we definitely want them to be on a two-way deal mm-hmm. or I don't know, depending on how they choose to fill those two open roster spots. Like, do they sign a veteran point guard as a backup? And then maybe there's not as much of a need for Yam. So there are a lot of factors at play, but the intrigue is definitely there. Definitely. Verdugo, he sounds like kind of a character. He was so much fun to talk to. Like, gets fired 
up talking about Yamadar. Very passionate about what he does. He was an absolute character. A lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, I mean, he's funny. Like he said a lot of, he really believes in this kid. It was fun reading yours. And then like um, Adam Himmelsbach wrote like a story too that had it like, Verdugo says like, I think he's going to fill up NBA arenas. Like, like, I don't know about all that, man. But like, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Yam talked to Himmelsbach for his story and just said like, hey, like, you know, like I'm not trying to go anywhere else. Like I'm trying to go to Boston. I think he wants to be in the NBA. I mean, if it's not this season, it definitely seems like he's coming next season for sure. And it's not like the Celtics just draft and stash and never plan to welcome him in. Like, it sounds like he will be on the Celtics in 2022. Yeah. Whether that's his first or second year with the team kind of remains to be. Exactly. Yeah. One of the quotes that didn't make my story was kind of similar to that one. He said, I believe that Yam is going to captivate Celtics fans and NBA fans. I think Yamadar was born to do this. He plays with soul and passion. He's fun and entertaining that's yam Celtics fans are going to love him so like absolutely we're talking about fanning the flames last week <laughs> the Yamadar flames are being like absolutely fanned again and again and again I don't know he's flashy as hell like he's really fun to watch I mean we do need a new fire because Bradley Beal has tested positive or actually I don't know if he's tested positive but he is in the health and safety protocols yeah. and will not be participating in the Olympics so we do need a new fire to flame so Yamadar will happily step right up yes <laughs> That'll be good. It's funny because like Verdugo says that stuff and obviously we all just kind of like chuckle and roll our eyes a little bit. Cause like, yeah, I mean like, all right, okay. You, you've got the next NBA superstar here. You're all right. Like I'm sure at the same time, not to fan with flames too hard. Like he really can do a lot of stuff. The flash is there. Like the substance is there. He could be a really fun player. I think he's legit. Like he's a, he's a good prospect. You no, know, the value of getting him in the second round deep in the second round is pretty great for the Celtics yeah. realistically, especially in a year where they needed a stash where so they needed a stash very, very badly. So it made perfect sense he really really does have a great skill set if that jump shot sticks we've only seen it stick for a year sometimes guys have shooting numbers blow up for a year and then they regress back to the mean he reworked his shot quite a bit it's much smoother and his footwork around his shot is much better like it just looks prettier it's very rigid and it was just ugly you could tell it wasn't a very confident shot and if you watch him now anytime there's someone going under a screen He jumps at the opportunity to make him pay and he shoots two years ago. He never did that. The confidence just clearly wasn't there. So the fact that he's a confident shooter now combined with him being a pretty natural floor general, like that's a pretty good skill set. And I think there's a lot to build off of there. And he's not bad defensively by any means. He's long and he's got a pretty wide frame. So I think he's going to be able to put on some pretty serious muscle relatively quickly. He did in season this year with Tel Aviv. So there's a lot of upside there to be hopeful for. In Adam Himmelsbach's story, he said that Yam really looked up to Rajan Rondo and would watch him and hoped that he could develop into a player like him. Do you guys have like an NBA comp for him now? Rondo, in terms of having like the all-around game, there is some Rondo in there. If Yamadar keeps shooting like this, it doesn't match up with Rondo's former skill set. With the yeah. length, with like the ball hawking defense that like we've seen him play with like the, the passing vision. The thing about Rondo is that Rondo was a like legitimate genius Mensa level passer. Yam is a flashy passer and he, he's smart and he sees things really well. Comparing him to Rondo is almost a little unfair. Yeah. You know how Kevin O'Connor on his draft guide has like the two comps? One, it's like LeBron James and then it's Lance Stevenson. Well, this might be like Yam's LeBron James comp is Rondo. And, and well, and I think one of the smart things that, that KOC does is he does like shades of. Yeah. Right? He's like, okay, there's shades of this guy. Right. So if you said there were shades of Rondo, then I could I'd be like, yes, I would see that for sure. Like there are elements of Rondo's game in this guy. 
and like you know he doesn't like necessarily remind me of anyone specifically he just looks like a like a really nifty passer who can shoot threes now that's super valuable also just watching the highlights it feels like he can, he's got like some scoops and some kind of finishes like some some kind of crafty stuff around the rim too no he's really crafty around the rim like he he really is and for his age he's got really good body control when he's going to the rim and he and he's good at finding space it seems like in the last year compared to 2 years ago it slowed down a little bit for him where he's patient and he just sees the floor really well and he, yeah he's a good finisher a lot of his at the rim finishes there's not a lot of contested finishes put it that way yeah. from what i've seen at least So I would be curious to see with a little more interior pressure what it looks like, because from what all the film that I was watching, there was a lot of he finds the opening, which is great, but that's not always going to happen at the next level. So the shades of that KOC had in his 2020 draft guide are Patrick Beverly, TJ McConnell and Javon Carter. So he clearly was focusing on some of the defensive elements there because he's just a really good on ball defender. He's kind of pesky and he just plays his ass off. And the funny thing about that is that we knew about the passing last year. Like we knew the, the flashy passing right. was there. We knew the ball hawking defense was there. Again, you hit 40% of your threes at, like with that skill set, the imagination starts to run wild a little bit. I would I would not anticipate the uh, the Yamadar flames dying down anytime before summer league, certainly. He also reeled in like the flashiness a little bit. The flashiness is great, but he was doing it every possession when, when they drafted yeah. him. So when the Celtics drafted him, you go back and watch the film and you're like, wow, he's making all these flashy passes. But then you watch the uncut film. You're like, oh my God, he does this on every possession. There's a lot of, tur- <laughs> there's a lot of turnovers here. Now it seems like he's reeled in and he does look at his, the target of his passes sometimes. Sometimes they're just normal chess passes, which is a positive. That's good. Granham, you're, you nailed the SEO on your Forbes story because I just Googled Yamadar wingspan and your story is the like auto fill-in answer oh damn right that's great i love it six foot five there you go he has positive wingspan he looks long yogev was saying he has like that wide frame and his whole family is very wide frame and he hasn't had any issues in the last 10 months putting on muscle when tel aviv was looking for him to do so so he thinks he's going to be able to pop that on pretty easily too he also needs to put on some weight he does yeah Does his trainer have any other clients? No, he just runs Camp Step It Up, and this was just one of his campers. He runs this camp. He went to Hofstra and then Brandeis, and he went over and played pro in Israel for a year. And then he went down to Florida, and he went to Yeshiva High School, and so he started helping out at his high school. And a lot of the players down at Yeshiva High School started requesting personal training sessions. And then when he started doing his academy over and camps back over in Israel, Yam came and then he started getting some personal sessions before he went back to Florida. And he told Yam's mom, he's like, basically, you know, I'm not trying to take your money, but you should have him come to my sleepaway camp in New Hampshire because your son's probably a pro in one way or another, whether he's playing over here or, or he's probably a pro. And he did. And he stayed for six weeks. He ended up staying for six weeks and he came back the next couple summers and he was just really like worked his tail off compared to the other campers. So no, his other clients are the other step it up campers, I believe. <laughs> that also helps contextualize some of his hype. Oh yeah. His enthusiasm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. We got an NBA player. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Summer league wise, I'm curious to see how much time he's going to get because from what I heard, Peyton's going to play, but he's not going to play every game, which could lead to some extended time for Yamadar because Tremont isn't going to be there because he's not under contract. I'm sure you'll get some Carson, but I, I mean, I think you could get some serious time if they limit Peyton Pritchard's time to prevent injury and whatnot. Definitely. Also, one more summer league thought. This is as speculative as it gets. 
But Rob Williams back in Boston, that would make me think that maybe he's back in Boston ahead of summer league training camp that starts next week. It would be a ridiculous choice to have Rob Williams play summer. It would be insane, but I'm just saying he's back in Boston, which I think is a little odd because the only players back in Boston or arriving in Boston around now are the ones playing summer league. So keep an eye on Rob Williams, Instagram stories. I want to say after Tatum's rookie season, he came back and worked out, but he didn't go. That's right. Yeah, he did do that. Okay. So it would make sense if if Rob was working out with the staff and with the summer league team and then didn't go. I I think that makes a lot of sense. I remember that because some, some report, a report, I don't remember who asked Tatum like, Oh, like, uh, do you wish you were playing summer league? And Tatum was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) definitely not. (laughs) Tatum was just like, nah, I'm all set, man. (laughs) You mean with Gershon? No, I'm good. (laughs) Regardless, though, I think that means Rob is definitely participating in their practices and workouts. For sure. So that's good. Definitely. Yeah. It's good to hear that. If he is, it's good to hear that he's working out, too, that he's healthy and everything. Yeah, exactly. He's definitely just not in Boston to chill. Like, he will be (laughs) at the facility. He is in Boston because he has to be. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Definitely why he is here. Yeah. Rob is in Houston when he wants to be. uh, Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Before our Geno Time draft today, which is going to be USA basketball related after USA basketball is looking for a Bradley Beal replacement, we're going to draft Bradley Beal replacements. And it's going to be brought to you by our friends at Shades on Beer Company, the makers of the Geno Time Stout, which is now available. We'll have specifics on that uh, regarding the Boston area shortly. But for now, just keep an eye out at your local liquor store. And of course, if you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, be sure to check out the Shades on Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston. Keep an eye out for any Shades on product in new england all right so with that uh nicole what's our uh what's our order here all right let me fire up the randomizer what do you know first pick followed by tom then grenham what do you know i have absolutely no comment they could fill it by promoting someone from the select team or they could fill it by just picking a new nba player correct right yeah I am tempted to pick Don't you a certain player on the select team. However, I will not. I'm going to go with an NBA player who's currently not involved. I'm going to go with Trey Young. I feel like he generated a lot of buzz when he was left off the roster. Say what you want about the Hawks playoff run. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and he had a lot of impressive moments. So I think he has the cachet and sort of the, I guess, pull to be on Team USA. And I think he would be a good fit. So with my pick, I'm not going to go with a star. They have a lot of stars. I'm going to go with Sadiq Bey. Uh, You're an asshole. (laughs) I just think he's a good option, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you think he's a good option? He can do a little bit of everything. He can can spot up in the corner for you, shoot some threes. He's a pretty good three-point shooter, pretty good defender. His NBA career, like, we'll see if he's any good. I have my doubts. I kind of think he's going to be a bad NBA player. But, like, in the with the select team, moving him up from the select team, maybe that would make some sense. Yeah, that would probably make a lot of sense. Are you actually picking him? Yeah, I don't know. I'm actually picking Sadiq Bey. All right, Tom is an asshole. Sadiq Bey is a fantastic pick. Oh with... God, I totally thought you were setting up the bit, and then we're gonna be like, "No, I'm actually." Picking oh no, I knew he was sticking oh, no, with I'm that just to I'm screw with Sadiq me. Bay. Sadiq uh-huh. Bey is my pick. Yeah, that's just great. That's just great. I feel like that's pretty realistic, though. Do you think it could be yeah. him? Yeah, <laughs> I genuinely think it could be. Like Jay so, Wright would probably give him a strong endorsement. Like, yeah. So that's the thing because I do think that they've been happy with the select team at this point, at least from all like the press. Obviously, they're not gonna say they're unhappy, but I'm gonna take Donovan. Mitchell with my first one replace a score with a score I think they're relatively similar players and so if you're trying to fill that 
role. You know, he's not as good as Bradley Beal, but I'm going to take Donovan Mitchell. And then in terms of the USA basketball select team, I'm going to take Kelvin Johnson with my second pick. I was kind of between him and Darius Garland. They've both looked pretty good in their short stints with the team, but I think Kelvin Johnson fills that void a little bit better than a guard, a smaller guard like Darius Garland. So I'll take Donovan Mitchell and then from the select team, Kelvin Johnson. I'm going to, I'm going to take a slightly different tact here. I think Team USA has done a pretty good job of identifying young talent early and getting them in positions with the team to be a part of Team USA going forward. So I'm going to take Anthony Edwards. He's not going to play very much, but I think that Edwards has like a ton of potential. And if you can kind of get him in the door and get him a chance to interact with some of these high level professionals and kind of basically like kind of the way that people used to talk about, you know, working out around Kobe or working out around any, any of the other like, you know, stars of Team USA. There is something to the idea of just seeing how great players prepare, seeing how great players work out, how they carry themselves, that kind of thing. You know, I'd be interested to see, you know, what that could do for somebody like Anthony Edwards. And if, if he has a really good experience and he becomes a really good player, he could be a reliable member of Team USA going forward. So I'll take Anthony Edwards here. I think that's a good pick. USA basketball does have that trend of trying to get young players in the fold early. And especially someone who's still pretty raw and really, really super talented like Anthony Edwards. I think that would make a lot of sense. I'm going to take, and the Houston Chronicle actually reported that he is being considered as a potential replacement, Christian Wood. We talked about when we tried to make our own roster, how hard it is to find size and a good solid American center. So I think, I mean, at 6'10", he obviously is tall and would just provide additional depth at center for them. Because I think right now it's really just Bam and then you have Draymond for the small ball five. And then with my next pick, I don't know, like, I know I picked Trey Young to start. And then once Tom started talking, I was reminded sort of our last conversation about Team USA and all of the challenges that come with the 1A stars. So maybe they wouldn't go in that direction of like trying to find another star per se. And so I kind of like the option of Duncan Robinson. He basically is what we kind of envisioned for a potential role for Jason Tatum of just like standing in the corner. So I think he could be just a good option. Obviously, like he can shoot the lights out. So he's not someone where you'd have to worry about iso ball or him dominating the offense or his touches or things like that. So I feel like he could be a useful addition to the offense. Yeah, I like that pick. That's a good one. Yeah. Building off Nicole's idea of Christian Wood, actually, I'm going to take another guy from the select team, um, Isaiah Stewart. We talked about this before. I, I think sometimes there is just something to having a big bruiser in the international game. Isaiah, Isaiah Stewart is tough as hell, you know, and, and he's shown a lot of promise. Honestly, I did not, I was not high on him coming into the season, really impressed with everything he did uh, his rookie year. So I'll take him just purely for the size. Like you got, you got a big center who's, who's giving them fits. All right. Just Isaiah go, you know, I don't know, just go energy him for a little while and uh, see what happens. Yeah. yeah. Also they serve as good guys to have in practice. Those yeah. are great guys to have underneath the hoop because you're going to face those big bruising centers on other international teams. So even if they're not racking up the minutes, the in-game minutes, I think it is pretty valuable to have on the roster. I'll move away from size with my last pick. I do think the size argument is a really good one. I am between, well, I guess Jalen is still injured technically. So I'm going to go with De'Aaron Fox. I think you have Drew Holiday and Dame are really the only true point guards, right? I I don't know. I like De'Aaron Fox a lot. So I'm just going to go with him. I do think it's more likely that they go with someone on the select team over De'Aaron Fox. But Uh, what a twist that would be if they replaced Bradley Beal with Jalen Brown. (laughs) That would be something. I was fully planning to pick him. And then in my mind, I was like, oh, wait. He is hurt. I was just watching him, you know, watching him shoot on Jimmy Kimmel gave me the utmost confidence in his wrist. So, yeah. All right, 
guys. Well, I think we can probably leave it there. Thank you to everybody who listens to the show. Thank you for uh, your ratings and your reviews. We really appreciate them. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can uh, feel free to get in touch. You know where to find us. And we will talk to you all again soon.